Luke chapter number 2. You say, are we going to the Christmas story? Well, no, it takes place after the Christmas story, but it is still July, so we can have Christmas in July, right? And so, but uh, I was looking at this passage of Scripture several days ago. God began speaking to my heart about some things here in Luke chapter number 2. And uh, if you found it and you're able to, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse number 36 and just read down through verse number 40. Luke chapter 2, verse 36, it says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, that's 84 years, by the way, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And we're going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to preach starting off here on the subject matter out of verse number 38. It says, And spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And preach on the subject matter on where to find redemption where to find redemption. Let's pray and then you can be seated. Our Father, we sure do love you this morning. Thank you so much, Lord, as we read throughout the Scriptures. We know that the winds and waves, they even obey the voice of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, thank you for reminding us of that and speaking to our hearts and comforting us through that truth. And Lord, as we look into the Scriptures this morning, I do pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit of God would speak to our hearts Lord, I pray for Brother Peter as he is preaching this morning, and Lord, would you empower him and uh, be a blessing to that church as they're out, and uh, Lord, thank you for your love to us. Now, would you do that work in our hearts that only you can do now? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I also want to make mention, if you would, plan on staying after the morning service, and uh, we'll be going downstairs. We do have uh, two that will be being baptized um, after the morning service downstairs. And so if you can stay, come on downstairs. I know it would be a blessing uh, for you to be able to uh, celebrate with them on their step of obedience to follow the Lord. And so Luke chapter number 2, as we see this subject matter of them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem, probably one of my most reoccurring memories, and probably several of you have this also of from when I was growing up, and of course I was raised in the state of Maine, and was all the time, whenever we would have a soda can or a two-liter bottle, there was what they called a redemption value on that. How many ever had to deal with that while you were while you were dealing with them? We didn't drink soda all the time, so it sometimes take weeks for this to be able to build up. But every can, my mom and dad would say, now make sure... I won't call it a recycle bin, but uh, make sure to be able to put that. Usually it was just a a Shaw's or a Shop and Save uh, bag that was hanging over there that all those cans and those bottles had to go into. And over several weeks, those things would pile up. and, uh, And then at the appointed time, 
My mother would gather all of those. She did the, the household grocery shopping early on Saturday morning. How many have a set time when you're heading to the grocery store? It's just set. That's when you're going. It was early Saturday morning that mom would go. And uh, if we wanted some special time, we'd get up and go with her. And we'd walk out there to the car with sometimes three, four, five bags of these cans or two-liter bottles or bottles because the smaller cans, they were five cents a piece. But a two-liter bottle was 10 cents. And you say, man, you're making money off those things. No, they charged you up front. And then every time, if one got thrown away, hey, that's a nickel. We'd see people, Miss Crystal reminded me when she was a young lady that they would actually walk along the side of the road and looking for cans. The Glidden's did that and uh, looking for cans because people just throw them out the window. And that's a nickel every time you find it. And she said, we'd go collect cans to be able to pay and save up to be able to go to summer camp. And, uh, and that's what she would do as a child walking along. Maybe we ought to have our young people start going out collecting cans and uh, try to pay for their summer camp that way, take a lot more cans. But we'd take them things in there, and it was the greatest thing to be able to walk in there when they got them new machines that you could just start feeding them things in, and they're just crushing them and uh, having a time. It spit out a little piece of paper on how much you just got at the redemption center. And spit that little piece of paper out. Most of the time, my mom would take that, go through the store, and uh, she's getting her groceries. Then you could walk up, and that amount could be taken off the grocery bill each and every week. And that's what we grew up with. I'm sure others have dealt with that and, and grabbing cans and, and bottles and being able to return those before it was at the grocery store. I remember going with garbage bagfuls at an actual redemption center and they would weigh it out or count them things and be able to tell us what was owed to us from what we had paid. Now, that word is a very interesting word as we read it in the scriptures, this word redemption, because if you go back and study the old English word here, redemption actually means the repurchase of captured goods or prisoners. The acts of procuring the deliverance of persons or things from the possession and power of the captors by a payment that is equivalent. It's the purchasing back. In a theological sense, looking at what Webster defined it, in a theological sense, he said this, the purchase of God's favor, and some would stop there and say, oh no, we can't purchase God's favor. You got to read the whole definition. The purchase of God's favor by the death and sufferings of Christ, the ransom or deliverance of sinners from the bondage of sin and the penalties of God's violated law by the atonement of sin. The purchasing of God's favor, I'd say, by his death, burial, and resurrection. Well, it's here in Luke chapter number 2 to set the context of Scripture that we have two people that are made mention of after the birth of the Lord Jesus, that they are there in the temple, and Mary and Joseph, they bring Jesus back to the temple, and there's one man there named Simeon who sees the Lord Jesus, sees him as a baby, rejoices 
rejoices that the Messiah is born. And now he says, I can depart. I can, I can die in peace because mine eyes have seen him. And he's been able to lay eyes on that one who he has been waiting for. In fact, in verse number 30, he says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And so he knew who the Lord Jesus was. But then we're introduced in verse number 36 here to a lady named Anna. And Anna, the Bible tells us that from a young age, she was, she was married, lived with her husband for seven years, but then she had been a widow for 84 years and serving the Lord faithfully in the temple here and coming in as she walked in at the same instance that Simeon is there in the temple and he's rejoicing, the Savior is born I'm able to lay eyes on him. I can die in peace now. She begins rejoicing. And the Bible says that she begins to speak of him to all that looked for redemption. And I thought about this subject matter on where to find redemption. And I just want to share just a few thoughts with us this morning. As I thought about Anna and I thought about her life and the history of her life and what some things that we could look at, because listen, there's not too many that are living as a widow for 84 years. And you may say, well, that may not apply to me. I wasn't married for seven years and then lived a widow for 84 years. Listen, I don't believe there's any accident of what God's preserved for us in the Scriptures and what we can learn from it and we can apply to our lives. And I looked at this little statement that they looked for redemption. And I want to spend a little time, first of all, and share with us the pursuit of redemption. The pursuit of redemption, especially in the religious circles that we have today, not just here in America, but around the world. But understand the pursuit of redemption. It is the buying back of captured goods or prisoners. It's the trying to purchase God's favor as we looked back at the definition. And you know, it's unfortunate today that religions and people that are around this world are trying to do everything that they can do to try to earn or try to purchase God's favor upon their lives. There are some religions that if you die, there's no assurance whatsoever of where you'll spend eternity, but yet your family members are encouraged after your death to literally be giving money to be able to buy you out of your holding place where you're there and through their faithfulness and their money. And I've said this before, listen, I don't trust my loved ones enough to believe that because they're not going to give enough. They're not going to pray enough. They're not going to be able to get me out of that holding place as some call purgatory to be able to get me into heaven, but literally trying to purchase God's favor. I saw this earlier and and you can think what you want about it, but uh, this was about three weeks ago. I actually saw that the, the Pope actually got a Twitter account. 
And uh, I don't know if you saw that or not. And I know this week they changed from being a, a Twitter account, I think, to X. I, I don't know what that's all for. And uh, and so he got a Twitter account and literally, listen, this was actually said that you can actually buy yourself indulgences by giving a follow to the Pope on Twitter. And I thought, man, I'd love to be able to preach stuff like that. I said, but I said, I just, I just don't think I, I see that in the Bible. I mean, when, when you get over in the scriptures in the book of Isaiah and it says that a little birdie told me, I know it's not talking about Twitter. I know that's not what the application is there in the book of Isaiah. But I thought literally people are desiring and pursuing after what can I do to be able to earn favor with God? Or can I say it another way? What can I do that's actually going to get God to love me more? Can I give us all a reality check this morning? Do you understand that there is nothing that you can do to be able to earn God's favor or his love more than what he already loves you? You say, well, maybe maybe if I go to church more. Listen, that's a great thing, and I believe we all ought to. We ought to be faithful to church. We ought to be serving. We ought to be loving the Lord. But can I say that doesn't make him love me anymore? You know why? Because he loved me when I was at my worst. He loved me when there was absolutely nothing good about me. He didn't come to me and say, hey, would you start doing this and this and this and earn my love? I've also learned from that, and I'll just take a little sidetrack here. I'm I'm not in the market to try to earn anybody else's love either. And the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, the pursuit of it, there are religions, there are people that are around this world, some maybe even sitting here this morning, and you're looking for redemption, you're pursuing redemption, you're doing all that you can to appease whatever God or whoever God it is that you're serving. Listen, that's around this world. They will take their best crops. They will take their their best service. They they will take their, their best possessions and be able to go sacrifice that to their God, trying to appease them, trying to earn their love, saying, oh God, please don't get angry with us. But I'm so thankful, and we'll get into it, for the God that we serve, the God of this Bible that we serve, and the pursuit of redemption. Listen, can I say this? The, the pursuit of redemption is only necessary because each and every one of us are separated from an almighty God. Every one of us before salvation, listen, our sin has separated, separated us from God. It's not a matter of just giving our hearts and lives over to the Lord so that we can spend eternity in heaven. Heaven is a byproduct. Heaven is a result of salvation. But do you understand the greatest part about salvation and becoming a child of God is that we are no longer separated and and we are now reconciled to an almighty God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the pursuit of redemption, people are trying and trying and trying, and here's where it falls short. We are trying to redeem ourselves, and we can't do it. That's why there's going to come a day that some will stand before the Lord. And Jesus told us about this, that they'll stand before the Lord and they'll say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? That's a great good work to do. 
in thy name have we not cast out devils and done many marvelous works. That's a great resume to be able to have. But some do that trying to pursue their own redemption before God. And the Bible says that the Lord will look at them and say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. The pursuit of redemption. You say, well, I want to be in right standing with God, so I'm going to do this and do this and do this, and maybe God will smile upon me. Let me ask you something. What do you think the price of a soul is? Now, the Bible says, and we, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, that what's it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What's the price of your soul? Listen, if it was said that if you give a million dollars, and wouldn't that be wonderful, but most of us couldn't afford it. Give a million dollars and you get eternity in heaven. That'd be, that'd be wonderful. But most of us would have to say, there's no way I can do that. If, if, if the Bible were to say or God were to say, hey, just give $100,000 and your soul will be okay for eternity. Listen, that'd be wonderful. But most of us would still have to be able to say, no. And so we'd try to go back to the old bartering technique. How many here have ever bartered for something? I kind of like bartering. Let's, let's, let's work this out. Listen, money's not changing hands, but get this done. And we'll take care of this over here for you. I love the bartering. That, I mean, we had a neighbor down in Tennessee. I think he'd gone his entire life. He said, I have punched a time clock for one shift, one eight-hour shift in my life. He said, I walked in, punched the time clock. By the end of that, he said, I said, this ain't for me. He said, I punched back out. And he said, I never set foot back in there. And he was buying and selling cattle. He was buying and selling houses. He did everything under the sun. I'm not saying it was all legal. I have no idea. But whatever it was, listen, he was doing all of that. That's how sometimes we get with God. We start saying, well, God, I can't afford that price. What can I do? What can I do and do and do? We're pursuing after redemption. There were those that looked for redemption. Now, I want you to see this as we continue on with the pursuit of redemption. There's some that look towards religion. And I want you to see this. I don't believe that's what Anna was doing while she was serving in the temple. But as we continue to look at this, the pursuit of redemption, some look to religion for their redemption. Anna was serving, the Bible says here, for 84 years, departed not from the temple. Listen, she was living there. She was serving there. She was doing all that she possibly could. Now, I believe she was doing it out of a pure heart, but I want us to give the example. There's some that will try to earn their redemption through religious works for their entire life. Religious works. Well, pastor, you know, I, I ought to be redeemed. I mean, after all, I've been going to church all my life. Here's a lady I'm not sure how old she is, but we know she's at least 91 from the 84 and the 7, and she'd gotten married, so I'm guessing she's at minimum 105 years old, older than anybody here as far as I know tonight. 
at least 105, maybe 120, serving the Lord, listen, faithful in the temple, but it was not the service in religion that earned her redemption. You say, man, I feel good going to church, and you ought to feel good going to church. It's amazing how many people I come in contact with that go to a church, and going to church on a Sunday is their worst time of the week. And when we got coming back, coming to, to Concord and, and, and we started uh, witnessing to people and inviting people to church, I found out this. There were so many people, they were so turned off from church. I mean, they didn't want to set foot in church that I made the statement one time and for, for quite a while, it was on, the, on Facebook and it was on our website, and I, I described our church like this. It's time to enjoy going to church again time to enjoy going to church again. I don't believe this ought to be the down part of the week. I think it ought to kick it off right. I think we ought to be excited. We ought to be thankful for all that God's doing. As Jordan just got up here a little while ago and said, hey, it's a church family. We enjoy each other. We enjoy fellowship with each other. Can I say as wonderful as it is coming to church and being a part of it and being able to enjoy the fellowship? Listen, I'm not able to pursue redemption just through my religious service. It has been very interesting and in a lot of ways grieving to the heart when you see people that have spent years in service to religion. They've done this. They've done that. They've been an altar boy. They've been baptized 5,500 times. I mean, they've gone through. I mean, they've done every service that you can think of And then one day when the spiritual light comes on and they realize that's not getting me to heaven and they realize that there's a a simpler answer, they realize that, hey, all of this, but then can I say this? Listen, it's not just about serving in religion that some people go to, but you notice where she said they were looking for redemption? It says that, all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Now, I understand that's where she was living and she was being a witness to all them that were around her. But I believe many times, and now just buckle up for a moment, okay? I believe there's many times that we start looking for redemption coming from some government or government program (coughs) and saying we want to be bought back. Well, they're buying people for sure. You better be careful about the whole thing. But here Jerusalem was, listen, at this time, Jerusalem was under Roman siege and control. I believe that there were people that were looking for physical redemption to come and overthrow the wicked government of Rome that was ruling over them And she was able to go tell them, hey, this is what you're looking for redemption, but here's where it's really found. And there were those that were living in Jerusalem. Listen, that's what they were expecting of Christ. When Christ is riding into Jerusalem, there's people that are expecting that he's coming in, he's setting up his kingdom, he's overthrowing Rome, and they're going to have a new king. That's what they're expecting. There was multitudes that were severely disappointed when they see their prospective savior of the land physically 
now hanging on the cross, dying just a couple days later. And they're looking at it saying, hold on, we're, we're looking for redemption. We're looking to be bought back. Listen now, looking to be bought back. They, were, they had been under the Roman rule and saying, we want someone to deliver us, to be able to get us back. And here comes Jesus. And I want you to see the person of redemption this morning. The person of redemption. The Bible says, and I read this verse back in verse number 30, that Simeon said, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He said in verse number 32, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. It is while this is taking place that verse number 38 happens. That Anna and she coming in at that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. And look at this. And spake of him. Spake of him. Now, can I give another just sideline observation here? She did not start going out speaking of her. Of Anna herself or of the mother of Jesus or of the stepfather of Jesus who was Joseph. But she went out and began speaking of him. You know why? Because she realized after all those years of faithfully serving, of being there in the temple, Simeon's rejoicing, and she said, here's redemption. May I remind us, she'd been serving 84 years in the temple, but redemption is not and was not found in a place. But redemption is found in a person. Redemption is found in a person. She began to speak of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to see this because, listen, God very possibly, he could have because he's God and he can do absolutely anything that he desires to do. He could have said, you need to be faithful in church and you'll earn redemption. He could have said, you need to be nice to old ladies and old men and not joke with them on the airplane, and you'll be able to earn your way to heaven and earn redemption. But he didn't. And I want you to see, as far as redemption being in a person and not a process and not a place, but it is in none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that Simeon is the second one to actually call Jesus salvation. First, Mary called him my Savior. You don't need a Savior unless you're a sinner and you need salvation. Simeon says, I have seen salvation, thy salvation. And now Anna comes in. And I want you to see a few verses with me about the person of redemption. I'm going to turn over to Ephesians chapter number one. I love Ephesians chapter number one. I was reading it again early this morning on the airplane as I was coming up. Ephesians chapter number one. And I want to come back to set the context of who is being spoken of here because we're going to read the terms in whom. 
And I want us to understand who that in whom is speaking of. But verse number four says this, Ephesians 1, 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom, verse number seven, in whom, that's referring back to Jesus Christ in verse number five, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of of his grace. Listen, redemption is not in a place, but redemption is in a person. That is the message that Anna began to spread all around in Jerusalem to them that looked for redemption. Do you think there were some that were possibly walking inside that that temple, making their sacrifices, or coming in having conversations saying, hey, we're looking for redemption. This is why we're doing this. And can you imagine after that, day that Jesus came in with Mary and Joseph, that she was able to say, oh, you're in here looking for redemption, but oh, let me tell you about a man. Let me tell you about the one. Listen, redemption isn't in that sacrifice that you're doing. Redemption isn't in that religious duty and ritual that you're performing. It doesn't matter how many times you go through a prayer. Redemption is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption. Now listen, even the forgiveness of sins. And and Colossians chapter 1, I'll turn over there and read this just a couple pages over. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 14, the apostle Paul said just about the same thing. I'll read verse number 13 first. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And I say this, he, it would have been enough just to be able to redeem us for all of eternity, just to buy us back and to be able to live forever knowing that my soul is secure. But I love the phrase that's added after both of those, in whom we have redemption through his blood. And then he added on this, here's a benefit of it, even the forgiveness of sins. Hey, we don't even have to live in our sins for all of eternity. We're redeemed. We have a song, I think it's page number 311. I'll probably get that wrong. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Hey, that's a Bible word that we used redeemed. We understand what Christ has done for us. It's not in a place. It is in a person, the person of redemption. You say, how long does this redemption last? Well, we won't take the time to turn all over there, but I will say this. Ephesians 1.14 says that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. And then the Bible says that we have eternal redemption through Christ in Hebrews chapter number nine and verse number 12. Eternal redemption. Now listen, it would be absolutely against the word of God for God to redeem us, buy us back, and then say, okay, I'm done with them. Let them go. It would be against the scriptures. 
It would be against the very character of God because the Bible says that God cannot lie. And if we are sealed, now listen, we have been purchased by the blood of Christ. I I want you to read this. I'm going to turn back to Ephesians 1, verse number 14. Some, when I was talking about the definition of redemption, the purchase of God's favor by the death and sufferings of Christ, what Noah Webster described it as back in the 1800s. I want you to see this because some, I think, probably listened to that definition and said, well, I don't know about that purchasing. Listen, the Bible is full of the terminology that we're a purchased possession. Look at verse number 14, Ephesians chapter number 1. He he speaks of the Holy Spirit in verse number 13. Verse 14 says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. We won't turn over there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6 in verses 19 and 20 says, what know ye not that ye are bought with a price? You understand without Christ that we are wicked and undone. We are sinful. We are separated from God. And we are without Christ a lost cause. But Christ, listen, knowing the direction that we were going, knowing that we were separated from Almighty God, he said, listen, I'm willing to lay down my life as a price. It's almost as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit got together in eternity past and said, we're going we're gonna to create mankind and they're going to sin and they're going to be separated from us. And what's it going to take to buy them back? And the plan was already laid down in eternity past. It's going to take the Lord Jesus Christ shedding his blood for each and every one of us. You say, well, that subject matter of shedding the blood of Christ, why couldn't it be something else? That's what God chose. Here's the price for redemption. Now, listen, there's some that may be seated here this morning, and you're saying, well, I can work my way there. I can pay my own price. How many believe it's a blessing when you go and sit down? Now, yesterday on my way to the airport, the, uh, the pastor down there in, in Philadelphia, he said, listen, he said, I'm free about two o'clock. He said, I'll pick you up. And he said, we'll go grab something to eat. He said, and I, I can drop you off at the airport afterwards. I said, that'd be a blessing. I've never eaten at a restaurant in Philly. I found out their Philly cheesesteaks are not the same as ours. Okay. I'd never eaten at a, at, a, at a place in Philly. I'm thinking there's got to be something around here. Of all the places, he said, there's a diner up around the corner. I said, I got diners in New Hampshire. I said, I said I can go to a diner. I said, we got great diners. And we sat down and, and uh, we ate lunch. It was him, myself, and his 16-year-old son. We sat there, had great fellowship sitting in this, I think it's called the Oregon Diner. And after we got done, listen, that, that waitress comes over and takes that bill, and you, you know how they do it, and uh, fold, it, fold it in half like that and, and put it down. I, I'm just going to leave this here for whenever you're ready. He reached over and he grabbed that bill and he put it over there beside him. And I said, preacher, I said, you don't need to, you don't need to buy my lunch today. I said, I can take care of you and your son. He said, no. He said, I got it taken care of. How many believe it's a blessing when someone buys you a meal? 
pays your price. That's a blessing. Hey, hey, I'm not bashful. It's a blessing. I'm not asking you to. I'm just saying it's a blessing. Then why is it when it comes to salvation, we sit back and say, oh, Jesus, you don't need to do that for me. I'll, I'll, I'll just work my way there. I'll pay my own price. I'll just, I'll just get myself there. I think sometimes we as religious people, we're the most prideful people there are thinking we can get ourselves to heaven. When what Jesus went through was all for our redemption. And there's those all around Jerusalem that were looking for redemption. And Anna goes out and says, listen, I'm going to tell everybody I know about him because they're looking for redemption. Listen, you may be sitting here in church this morning and you say, well, I'm just here by accident. No, God knows where you're at. God knows what's going on in your life. And there's some that in your heart, you know that you need redemption. You know that you're trying your best to be able to get to the Lord. You say, I don't even believe in God. Doesn't mean he's not real. Listen, last night, I didn't believe they were going to cancel a flight either. I... I think Charlie Bowen was watching my flight number and he texted me. He said that the, the, the storm's going to be over by about 9 o'clock. It's going to be going out. I texted him back. I said, you mind calling American Airlines and letting them know? <laughs> I said, so we can get on a plane? And I said, we can get on home? Hey, listen, I was thinking, nah, I, I told him. I said, it's going to be over with. They probably need this plane in Boston for first thing in the morning. I said, we might get in at midnight tonight. I'm thinking to myself, they're not going to cancel this flight. Just because I didn't believe it didn't mean it wasn't true. And listen, you may be here, you may be thinking, you, and you're looking for redemption. You're trying to work your way there. You're trying to attend church to get your way there. You're trying to do every good work you possibly can. And what you're thinking is, in re, in, is redemption is in you and your efforts when redemption is really in Christ. And it's a matter of what he's done, the person of redemption. Listen, Christ desires and has purchased each one of us with his shed blood. This is a buy-in of God's favor upon us. What's the price of God's favor upon Peter? It's the blood of Christ and me being a child of God. That's what the price was. He paid it for all of eternity, and then he sealed us with the Holy Spirit of God till the day of redemption we're sealed. I thought, what a blessing it is to know that he bought me and I'm sealed for all of eternity. Let me ask you something. I wonder in your spiritual life today, I wonder if you're looking for redemption. You're, you're trying to work your way there. But when the Lord Jesus is saying, listen, redemption's in him, not in you. And maybe you just need to realize the price that the Lord Jesus Christ has already paid for you. If you just be willing to accept it. Be able to say, Lord, here it is. But listen, even after we're saved, can I remind us of this? We can live in victory because the price has already been saved. I don't have a list of do's and don'ts of religious duties that I have to do to try to make God love me more. I'm living my life. I'm having the time of my life serving the Lord. I am. I get to serve him. I get to preach the word of God. I get to help people. I get to minister to people, not because I have to, but there's no greater joy in my heart than being able to serve the Lord. You know why? Because he bought me. He paid the price for me. And some may say, you're not worth much. That got way too many laughs of what I thought I should get. 
Some may say you're not worth much, but Jesus was thinking he's worth my life. That's what I'm worth to him, and that's the price he was willing to pay. Maybe some here this morning need to receive the redemption that he's offered. What's the purpose of it? To be able to buy back. Quit pursuing it in your own works and realize the purpose, excuse me, the person of redemption.